Welcome to episode 92 of Honestly Unbalanced. Prepare to be inspired. We're chatting to a senior investment banker who is currently working as a managing director at Goldman Sachs. She's also a yoga practitioner, an author, a wife, and mother of two young sons. It's Rebecca Anderton Davis. Whilst building her massively successful corporate career, she fell into yoga, uh, quite literally. She got hit by a truck and turned to yoga to heal. And since then, she's built some massive Instagram communities and published her first book, The Book of Yoga Self-Practice, which was published in 2020 with Yellow Kite. We're talking mainly, though, about her latest book, Shifting the Dials, which is out now, which is a fresh new approach on how to thrive in your career, your family life, your personal life, all at the same time. Shifting the Dials is an innovative guide to having a flexible, empowering perspective on working life. Not seeking work and life is simply binary, but a series of multidimensional and constantly evolving priorities that takes into account work, family, marriage, and life goals. That book is out now. And on this episode, we chat about all sorts. We have an honest, open conversation as always, talking about the seven dial structure, chatting about why reflection is important, conversations around building resilience and grit, especially in relation to young people people entering work now we talk about an experience of pregnancy on a woman's yoga practice why we need to stop putting each other in a box culturally how to lead by example uh, and how we can all be nodes for change within our own network it's uh, it's an awesome inspiring conversation and if you're interested in some of our perks i've lately been using innermost protein right they do more than protein they do various supplements uh but i've been using their lean stack uh to help me naturally get a little bit leaner and feel a little bit better in myself and of course being lean isn't for everyone but my body's evolved uh up and down in every direction over the years and i know i feel good in myself and i feel lean and my muscle mass is high and i'm using their lean stack to help me get there at the moment and code adam h10 so a d a m h all capitals dash 10 a d a m is it a dash or a hyphen let's call it a dash <laughs> adam-10 will get you 10% off and as always if you want 10% off the world's greatest yoga mats code hustler10 h-u-s-l-e-r all caps 10 h-u-s-l-e-r 10 will get you 10% off that too and finally well not quite finally almost finally viva barefoot if you've seen me around london in the last three months all i've been wearing is my vivo barefoot white uh, oh, I think it's called Stone, actually. Trail shoes. They're incredible. Uh, so good, actually. I got a second pair. Uh, and if you fancy some Vivo Barefoot of your own, Adam Hustler VB, uh, all caps, Adam Hustler VB, will get you 10% off those. And expect coming soon a little bit of revitali- revitalization to our online platform and to our podcast. Uh, I'm working on it behind the scenes. But if you do fancy joining our online platform, uh, code HONEST25, all caps, HONEST25, will get you 25% off uh, a single 12 months membership or a reoccurring membership until you decide to let it go. And last thing, guys, if you still fancy joining us in Spain on our retreat, head to thehustlers.com to find out more. That's Spain in September. And I've just launched my cohort three 
of my Level Up mentoring program and education program for teachers. Uh, head to adamhustler.com to find out more. Enjoy the episode. Honestly unbalanced. When someone asks me what the book is about, my kind of stock response is that it's about what's wrong with work-life balance as a mental model and the mental model with which I think we should replace it. So, you know, at heart, I am, and I almost struggle with this in like the, the yoga community, but I'm like really anti-balance mm-hmm. as a metric. I feel it is like by definition static. And then you put that work-life kind of, you know, format in front of it. And not only is it static, but then it's really oppositional as well. Like it presumes that these things are equally weighted and against each other um, and and really binary. And when I was researching the book, I, you know, I had this kind of sense and I, I had this dance framework that I was kind of thinking about and speaking about, but, you know, kind of going... I'm reading a little bit more deeply about the the subject and I found some really amazing research that that showed um how much the language we use affects our experience of of the of the real world of like what we're actually experiencing day-to-day life. And they've done a lot of these studies based on um on motherhood and work and whether you know you pair um motherhood and work in a positive um light or in a more negative light and that literally changes a mother's experience of her day and it just like was a real light bulb moment for me because you know I was like am I creating this kind of straw man and work-life balance but I, I don't think I am because I think it really changes how we experience these things mm-hmm. and if you're starting from a thing that is really static and that your life is changing you know you, your, your lives before you had your son eight months ago is so different mm. to what it is now and what he's going to need when he's a toddler or what you guys are going to need in a few years time and you know what your families need and what work opportunities and you know we go through good times we go through crisis times like life is not static ever mm. and nor do I think we want it to be um and and I just I, I really feel like talking about a much more dynamic model which the dials is 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 meant to be which I share in the book is um is kind of a better starting place and hopefully a better place to go forward for people as well so yeah no no thank you to balance except on my yoga mat <laughs> it reminded me what you said there about about moving forwards there's a quote by anais nin and i used to love it uh that perfection is static and i am in full progress i love that, I like that idea. So yes. are you suggesting a form of intentional imbalance when needs arise that is a great way of describing it. So the 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 framework that I am kind of advocating we, we replace work-life balance with is called the dials. Um, and it's made up of four parts. So the part one is a dashboard. And this is kind of your goals, your priorities, your values. I think in a lot of these conversations about, you know, work and life, we skip forward to the, you know, you compare like this job or that job, or, you know, do I stay in London? Do I leave London? Do you, like there's so many different choices we have to make in life. And the, the truth is there's no, you know, quote unquote, right answer, right? You know, the right answer for you is going to be a different one to what I would need in my life 
and it's hard to make those right decisions for us without those guiding you know values goals and priorities so that's the dashboard and then the dials you know work is not one thing life is not one thing you know you've got a, a new dial on your dashboard of your son um but even work is you know your your day-to-day -day job maybe you're writing a book maybe you're you know trying to get yourself into a new studio you've got a new work project holly you know you've been working your album and now you're trying to get it out into the world like work is made up of all these different component parts life is work made up of all of these different component parts and then the third part of the framework is the levels like those dials need to get like dialed up or dialed down depending on the season of life um the opportunities or the needs that are in front of us and it's that kind of like deliberate you know intentional either acknowledgement of how like the universe is setting your dials because often mm -hmm. we don't get to choose you know the universe is going to put like my family member is going through a health crisis and I need to be with them dial on your dashboard or you know it like you get made redundant and your main work dial gets turned down to zero um, like there are things you can't decide. Hopefully we all get to decide what those levels are more often than not. Um, but that's kind of, that is, you know, the, the first, the main part of the dials. And then the, the fourth part, I talk about kind of how you can make each of those three sections as resilient as possible. Um, but yeah, it's very intentional and deliberate, but also I hope really acknowledging like the reality that all of us are facing. Um, and, you know, I speak from an, a, a, a position of incredible privilege on, on a lot of this, but like life, the, the world is not set up in an, to make any of this easy, right? You know, you look at a cost of living crisis this year and, and, and earlier, you look at the cost of childcare in the UK, you look at the fact that, you know, as women, our peak career years are often our peak childbearing years, mm -hmm. you know, all of this stuff is just really, really complicated and really, really hard to do. Um, there aren't enough hours a day in the day, the structures that exist societally and don't make it easy either. Um, and so my hope is that the framework kind of has that knitted in to it as well, that there's that piece of this is not all in your control. And if you're if you're finding it difficult to make um, to make it work, that's not because you've done something wrong. That's because life is really hard and you can't have all these dials turned up at the same time. Um, so that, you know, that is my ambition with it all. And I, the readers of the book will tell me whether I've, I've, you know, conveyed that message well or not. What gave you the inspiration for this model? Was there a point in your life where you thought, okay, work-life balance just isn't doing it for me and this isn't working. So therefore I need to find something else that does work. Was there a moment or was it just a gradual thought progression? You're so it'd been something you know i'm an investment banker by trade so my my work is pretty intense and in 20 um in 2014 i was cycling to work and i got hit by a van um and i broke my collarbone and, and hurt my shoulder <clears throat> and i did like the classic you know like a young person thing i was in my 20s at the time and b i think just general person thing of you know i went to physio for a few weeks and I didn't do any of the exercises I was set um and then you know a few months later I was like oh my god I still can't move my arm properly and my physio was like look we're done with sessions you don't have any more but um you should like try something else that gets you mobile like what about yoga I'm like Ugh, okay I guess like I want to be able to lift my arm above my head <laughs> um you know this would be useful and so I started going to yoga um there was a yoga studio is a yoga studio at my work and there was an Iyengar teacher there and so I started going to um to classes with her 
and she was classic Iyengar teacher she was so mean Mm -hmm. and so like scathing about you know what I could and couldn't do and how to do it but I fell in love with it and so that you know we all kind of weird events and um I'm sat here with my two cats on my lap um but I started practicing yoga at home and my cats were there it was the beginning of Instagram and my Instagram account kind of took off and scroll forward a few years I was doing a lot of independent yoga practice I fell in love with it doing much more vinyasa and things and so I started teaching I did my yoga teacher training I started teaching a workshop that was kind of the question that everyone was asking me um on Instagram which was how to practice yoga independently because that was how I was fitting it in around kind of a very very busy career and then I was pregnant with my first son so this is back in 20 uh yeah 2017 um and teaching workshops and having a kid and working was not mm. going to be scalable for me so I wrote that workshop into a book and I self-published that book and then at the beginning of COVID um it got published for real so Hachette uh published it it was the environment you know self-practice I guess was a thing um for so many of us during COVID um but I had been a bit kind of secret squirrel about who I was um up until the point that the book got published for real in 2020 I talked about having this big job but I didn't put my name on Instagram I didn't talk about the field that I worked in I didn't talk about the company that I worked at um and so when the book came out for real and I put my name on it for the first time kind of, there was this kind of wait hang the sec you're you're an investment banker you work at this huge American company you've just had a kid at the time I had 150,000 followers on Instagram you're writing books to, you know, and everyone was like whoa, 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 whoa how are you doing this and having any work-life balance? And I was like, well, like, I don't think about it like that. Like I, you know, when I had my son, I was off work for six months. My work dial was turned to zero and I was there on maternity leave with my son. You know, one of the benefits of being at a corporate, you know, I get amazing paid maternity leave and we should talk about, you know, some of the challenges that you guys might have faced being freelancers, um, you know, running your own businesses. But that was something I could do because it set up in my life. And then I went back to work and there was a big promotion I was up for. Um, and I went back to work and I really dialed up my work dial and I got promoted. And it was just this like lived experience of these different opportunities and needs coming up in my life. And then COVID happened and that, you know, threw all sorts of spanners into my dials. Um, but that was really the genesis of the book. It was answering the question after my first book came out um, of like how I did it and seemingly like was happy. I guess in all of it you, that was a very long answer to your no, question i'm sorry thank you. <laughs> no, no, thank you You talked about you know how you intentionally changed dials and you intuitively knew the dials that needed to be shifted and i guess the question here is how does a person know really what dial needs to be shifted so for someone who is deeply let's say they're unhappy in their current situation what they what they feel like they're missing out is love and so they need to dial. They they might think they need to dial up the Tinder dial uh, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> like, however, what they what they might really need actually is to dial up the work one, so they can actually feel more secure in themselves. Or they need to dial up the personal development one, so that actually they they're not looking for something outside themselves. What they're looking for is self development, which then means that a relationship might be found. So you know that's mm. one example. But how would you advise people to, or is there an exercise you advise for people to work out which dials need to be shifted at a particular time? Such a great question. And, you know, like the the framework, you know, those three parts of, um, of the framework, dashboard, dials, levels, you know, are meant to be there, like 
in, in to stand you know next to each other but also to be a process like if something if you were there you're like something doesn't feel right like I'm not in the place I want to be is it because you know you don't have the dials here in your life that are expressing your dashboard properly is it that the levels on those dials are set in the wrong place you're spending too much time you know on work and not enough time on like your your intimate relationships or is it that you're you know you're you're you know kicking ass at your yoga practice but kind of you've let a friendship drop like there like the interaction of those things I think can be really powerful and I don't you know I really don't think I'm kind of reinventing uh, really mixing metaphors here like reinventing the wheel but I hope that like these are just kind of prompts that can that can live in people's heads when they think hang on a sec this is not something's not right like how can I just run through my dashboard my dars my levels and that like scaffolding gives you a place um you know to think about it and hopefully get to an answer and collect some data you know I've I've just had the busiest you know four months of my life I started a new a new role at the beginning of the year the book you know finishing off the book and the book coming out those two things happening simultaneously has been like you know to be honest massively suboptimal um but you can't you know you can't often decide the timing of these things in life but it's also been data collection for me you know I uh, my publishers asked me if I'm going to write another book and the answer for the foreseeable future is no like I'm I've had an amazing few months really proud of what I've done but it's also been a bit much and I'm like mm-hmm. I, I can't keep these dials going for any longer mm-hmm. and so I like I'm not regretting it I'm not feeling guilty about it but now I've collected some data and I've decided that I'm not going to do it again when, <laughs> when you reflect on the dials what is the process do you have three A4 bits of paper. Uh, do, do, have you constructed some dials in the house? Like some... <laughs> do you have an interactive so I, room? <laughs> that, look, I mean, that would be cool. Um, in, in the book, at the end of, you know, the, the first half of the book, I kind of, you know, go through what's wrong with work-life balance um, as the mental model and, you know, a chapter by chapter on dashboard dials, um, levels, and then resilience. And the end of each of those chapters is like a little, you know, half page kind of question and answer kind of prompt section that, you know, if, if you, if you were so inclined, you could kind of jot down, you know, fill in the gaps. And, you know, I've written out my dials. Um, I've got, I've got, I, I kind of say to people that you probably want, you know, a couple of handfuls. I think I have a bit too many at the moment. Um, I've got like 15 or so. Um, so you can like write them out. My goal with the with the whole framework is that they can just live in your head. I don't want it to be this, you know, like uh, this other thing that you have to do and that you have mm-hmm. to attend to it every month. And that if you haven't updated your worksheet, you know, this is another stick with which to beat yourself when you're failing. But my hope is, you know, through the book, that there are lots of kind of, prompts and jump off points and there's some research there in the dials um chapter where I talk people through you know different categories they can think of and um and I think you know those buckets I hope can be helpful prompts for people of like oh actually I think about my work dials um you know I had three or four of them last year this year it's my new job and the book um you know I have my me dials and that's yoga and peloton and reading and rest I have a rest dial at the moment um, which is really important to me. You know, I have my family, my kids, each of my kids is a dial. They need different things at different times. Um, I have a few money impact and money dials. That's about, um, you know, like 
earning my income separate to to work and really encourage people to think about those things separately donating investing pension um a little bit boring but I think these things are important to think about and then I have a little section for impact um the last chapter of the book is all about impact so I think there's you know I very rarely have conversations with people about career and life where they're not thinking about how to make a positive impact on the world mm. and I think that can be having th- those dials and there are many people and I think you guys probably fall into this category I think who are fortunate enough or deliberate enough to have crafted impact into their careers um, and there are lots of us who you know either choice or otherwise um, you know don't have uh, don't have that same you know facet of our careers but there are ways that you know we can and I think really should be having impact with how we live our lives and so I think about those as different dials as well. Is there a sort of underlying intention of once all of your dials are in place as it were is the underlying intention happiness or or fulfillment Mm. or does it sort of depend on where you're at in your life is it different for every person what would you say about that? Look, the, the word I use a lot in the book is fulfillment. Um, I like. I find myself saying a lot with my kids, like, I just want them to be happy. I just want them to be happy. And when I really think about that, that's not necessarily true, right? I want them, I want them to be able, you know, to like live a fulfilled life and to thrive with whatever's going to get thrown at them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I. I I have found the framework incredibly empowering. I think especially, you know, Adam, you were saying at the start, like all of these challenges of quite like literally just not having enough time in the day to do all the things that you either want to do or feel like you should be doing. And there's a whole bunch of guilt, I think, that's in there, especially once you become a parent. Um, And, you know, that kind of intention behind the Dials framework, I think alleviates some of that for me. And and helps me hone in on the fact that the choices that I'm making or sometimes forced to make about how I live my life and how I spend my time, like, uh, I'm doing my best mm-hmm. and it is what gets me fulfillment. Um, and that's, that's enough. And you, you talk about the dashboard and, um, this is, this is just a question that, that intrigues me because, uh, you, you say the dashboard is about having your own personal goals, your values, knowing who you are as a person, what you mm. want, what if you, don't quite know what you want in life or you're not sure of you know what your values are what what would you say is is someone's starting point in that case like I tell a bunch of these stories in the book of like how I kind of got these things wrong Mm -hmm. lots of the goals I set myself in my early 20s um and younger were really 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 prescriptive things um and you know when I the, the kind of I don't call it a step I kind of call it like I literally put it as like a kind of little bracket around the three steps of resilience is encouraging people and I think to make your dashboard more resilient is to really broaden it out and you know I had these like crazy prescriptive goals of like you know how of of being mortgage free by a certain age and of having a certain number of kids and reaching a certain point in my my career before I had a kid and all of this stuff that you know now I'm 37 I realize it's incredibly naive um and also thinking about it like that like got me further away from what those goals were actually about because I was so stressed about focusing on the specifics when actually what mattered to me you know talking about mortgages was like was an element of like home and stability you know my Mm -hmm. father was in the military I grew up you know I lived in 18 houses by the time I 13 houses by the time I was 18 
so that like sense of home and stability and and financial stability was really important to me um you know like there's career goals in there and the kids bit and you know again and I'm sure we're all in this kind of point in our lives you walk either walk the path yourself or you walk it with with loved ones you know like the challenges of having children and fertility and infertility and all of those kind of things you never know whether you're going to be able to have the family that you want whether that's uh, whether that's children or, or other kind of close relationships that doesn't mean you don't have a family that doesn't mean that the end the version of family you end up with is less valid or less important and I so you know I have I don't I didn't get any of that stuff right to start with and I'm like really fascinated now I feel I've articulated it well to see how those things develop in my life through my 40s and my 50s um, but I one, you know, after I talk about the the Dial's framework, the next chapter um, is is about quitting, and I talk about the kind of challenges of what I call like the progressively less shit years of <laughs> of like <laughs> of your early twenties, like the first five years of any of any career worth having are kind of a bit shit, and they get progressively less shit. But I think these things are not easy. I don't expect an eighteen year old or twenty one year old or hell even like a thirty one or thirty five year old to have it all sorted out. Um, but I, again, I hope like having having these prompts and having mm. I I did a lot of interviews for the books and there's lots of little kind of case studies, other people's stories and other people's um nuggets of wisdom and experience in there too. And I hope that there's enough in there that just like plants some seeds that helps people work it out with time. I think these seeds are needed because you know my view is most 20, 25 year olds, their success or what they deem success to be is kind of these as you say, purely objective. It's objectives, and actually, there's been not a lot of reflection. <laughs> it's more what does society deem to be successful? What the better and mortgage free, etc., is all, all these benchmarks. And if you don't take any time to try and create your own values, you will always be led to what other people think happiness and success is, which will then undoubtedly leave you to be unhappy. And I really like the point you mentioned there about you, you wanting to be mortgage free, but then actually, what where that was coming from was a need for stability. And there was a guy called Derek Sivers, who was the founder of mm. CD ba Baby. And actually listening to a conversation with him and about his approach to analyzing his desires. And he said, actually, he kept thinking at one point, you know, I need a, you know, he worked in a New York apartment near a train track and kept thinking, all, all I need is to go to a beach. I need to go to a beach in the Philippines. Then actually he dug down a little bit and said, actually, no, that's not what I need. What I'm stressed by is the noise because mm. of the train tracks. So actually, the solution to that is invest the amount of money that a flight to the Philippines would cost into soundproofing my studio. And that's actually, that was, that was a, the, the, what he needed and the, and the why. And, and I think it's always important for us to dig down a little bit and, and reflect. And like, even when it comes to like buying things, <laughs> you know, taking three days to think, actually, do we need that? Let's have a calling off period. But I've, I bought something today that actually I didn't need. What did you and buy? I, what, yeah, I haven't told you. Oh, for God's uh, sake. <laughs> something else. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, just some photography books. But I didn't need them. And to be honest, at the moment, they weren't a priority. But I wanted to support the photographer. <sighs> but actually, if I'd have taken the three-day period... <laughs> I'd have probably reflected back and not bought them. Well, look, as an author, I think buying people's books is great. Um, but <laughs> like, but, but I agree. Like, and we're not, you know, I, I 
so much of this stuff I think wasn't discussed certainly when I was you know a kid and growing up right like it was like you know get your get get your exam results go and get a job like all of you know and it's when I know people struggle with the reality of social media and and you know I think we've probably all experienced the negative sides of it too but I do think like this prevalence of conversation about these kind of things um you know is such a positive of what's come out of the past you know five to ten years and I really like you see the difference in, you know, the young people today. Of they're just so much more thoughtful about this stuff than, you know, than I ever was when I was their age. Um, like I think it's so impressive. Can I say however with the young people of today? That that you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talk a little bit about you already in this conversation, resilience and grit. And I think perhaps for all of us growing up in our quest to try and achieve these objective markers of success. We probably did all build some resilience and grit uh, for better or worse. And actually, in, for, you know, for modern young people, are, do you think the environment is right for them to build that? Uh, and could maybe just talk, that, talk about that as a more general topic. Could you talk about yeah, grit and resilience in this book? Yeah, like, I, you know, the, the, the chapter about quitting... Um, you know, I talk about these progressively less shit shit years. I think there's a real careers worth having are complicated. They have defined outputs, right? You know, whether you're a doctor or a salesperson or an inventor, you know, you've got to do the thing that comes. But there's a million different ways of of the of like channeling the inputs. You know, you can be. I look around. You know, the trading floor. And you can be a salesperson that does the kind of matey matey, take everybody out sales. You can be a really technical salesperson, all about you know the Greeks and the deltas. And you can be great at financial modeling. You can kind of be the person that like corrals with the resources together. There's so many different ways of doing these jobs and being excellent at them. And of course, you show up at the beginning and you have no idea what your skill set is, and you have no idea what your authentic way of being able to be excellent is. And it just these things just take time and I look at like I look at my career and you know what I've been lucky enough to achieve and that there's a whole is a whole bunch of luck in there the opportunities that um that I've been I've been given but also I think a big piece of it is just that I stayed mm-hmm. um and it's not about you know and I say this very clearly in the book right this isn't about like putting yourself in a position where your mental or physical health is at risk or you're taking abuse or anything like that and again I hope really hope the dials framework helps people create some of those boundaries and prioritize you know their mental and physical health and their relationships and all the things that keeps you know that keeps that show on the road that enables you to stay when the career bit is difficult um but you're so often I think when you when when people step out of these things they're not they're not starting you you reset that clock and you still got to go and work out how to do this other new thing. Um, and uh, Holly, I was listening to your podcast about y- your your album, and you know you'd like it. You you've got to start these things again, and it's hard. Um, and it's not that it's not worth doing, but I think we should be able to talk more about the fact that these things just take time, and you're not doing it wrong or doing the wrong thing because you're finding it hard and you haven't nailed it three years in. Like we can't all be Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, like creating Facebook when we're 19 years old. Like it's okay if it takes you 10 years to work out what your thing is and how to do it really well. And you're not broken and you haven't made a bad decision 
if you're kind of like, oh, I'm not sure I'm enjoying this. I'm not sure I'm that good at it. Like, that's okay. That's what it looks like. That's what doing well over the long term looks like. And you might never know particularly what you, what yes. you want to do when you're growing up. <laughs> I think in that, that, that Buzz, Baz Luhrmann song about sunscreen, like the, he says, you know, the most six-year-old six people I know, they still, they're the most interesting people, the ones that still don't know what they want to do when they grow up. I think that's a real, and I talk about this too, you know, it's a real like, you know, find your passion and you'll never work a day in your life kind of mm. culture. Like in the deification of entrepreneurship and like all full credit to all the entrepreneurs out there, it's a level of risk that I'm not comfortable taking in my life. Um, but I don't think like finding a job you're passionate about solves these problems. Mm. You know, you, it, if anything, it gets even harder to create boundaries and to keep, you know, your mental and physical health safe and to have all the other things that make a life worth living if if work has this like evangelical position in your life mm. um you know there's a whole bunch of data i share in the book too that about how you know the best passions are developed they're not found mm. it's not like down the back of the sofa you know you've got to work at it you've <laughs> got to like um be prepared to go and find it and when you're when you hear all this talk about you know like I found my passion and I, you're just like, oh no, there's something wrong with me because I haven't found mine yet. Mm. Um, and the things I love about my job, I had no idea existed when I was, you know, 21 and at university. I had no idea, you know, my job I'm doing now didn't exist. I had no idea that these careers existed and that what I find so enjoyable about banking would be what, you know, push my buttons and it just it's like it's okay to, for that to take, take time to find out have, have you come across a guy called naval naval ravikat uh, no he's I like haven't. an angel investor uh and he's written actually the most wonderful like modern philosopher uh and he's like appeared on some kind of very big podcast in the u.s like tim ferris mm. and he's he, one of his phrases is that actually to find a job you love is for amateurs to turn a job into something that you're passionate about and find the passion within it is what the real people do. That's a serious work. Oh, I love and, that. And I, I'm butchering it. He said it far more eloquently and far more concisely, but the sense, <laughs> sentiments are... Yeah, and I, you know, and I think, again, you guys, like you do these very, you know, these jobs that look like really wonderful on the outside, right? Everybody wants you to be a yoga no, teacher. Everyone yoga. wants to be... <laughs> <laughs> be you know uh, like uh, to record record albums and and like you know be a musician but it doesn't uh, that doesn't give you any space to talk about the reality of what that can mean you know my the teacher I did my teacher training with um like I about to say traveled 51 weeks of the year but it wasn't traveling anymore because he didn't have anywhere to go home to oh, yeah. and like that's not you know he was very happy that's not a life I would want to live you know, I think being a yoga teacher in London, super difficult life, right? Trying to make that work. And if if we can't talk about, you know, another chapter in the book is about these trades. If we can't talk about, you know, one, I mentioned it already, the benefits of working for a big corporate, you know, wonderful paid maternity leave, um, you know, but I'm in the office every day when I'm not on maternity leave. Like there are these like gives and takes and everything. And I think talking exclusively about work as passion kind of masks that like deeper more honest conversation about what the trades um hopefully the things that you're giving away that are, are low value to you and things you're getting in return are high value to you exist and the fact that like nothing's going to be perfect but i think if you get all these different 
dials on your dashboard, you can create a perfect combination for you. How important do you think the role of your yoga practice has been in helping you to write your book and be where you're at today? I like absolutely would have blown up if I hadn't, you know, developed like a serious yoga practice. Like it's such a fundamental foundation of of like why I am where I am now and and you know why I've been able to kind of weather storms like very positive storms but storms like the past few months mm. and you know I haven't practiced my yoga dan has been turned right down when I when I submitted the manuscript for the book um at the end of last summer September I started going back to yoga classes and obviously with COVID and things I hadn't been anyway but it was you know it was a wonderful re-entry and so I had four or five months of going to regular yoga classes and that stopped you know this year because it just was I I just literally didn't have time or energy for it I wanted to nap and sit on the sofa and read a book um and like that is one of the again one of the things I find so powerful about the dance framework I was like my yoga dial is there it is like a core part of my life but it's okay if it's turned down to a two out of ten at the moment um because that's the way that like I respect the season of my life but it's I am sure that I will be practicing in some way shape or form my whole life it's just yeah giving me so much perspective and so much practice at at practice at practicing um and being okay with you know all the the little failures and and things that go along with it yeah like really essential I sometimes think that you know people beat them if people have a yoga practice me included if you sort of fall off the mat and fall off the yoga bandwagon as it were people sort of beat themselves up for that but I think sometimes it's taking a step back and coming away from it really plays a part in helping you to live your life from a new perspective almost it's like you've planted the seeds of doing the yoga practice and then once you stop for a little bit you're almost um living what you've practiced in a way without actually doing the practice if that makes any sense yes also I think like when you're pregnant it's just such like a it's a practice by itself. Uh, that was oh my goodness <laughs> the lesson of yeah. letting go of your practice yeah the first time you're pregnant is just like such a humbling experience and even then you know you're nine months pregnant and maybe you can still do you know more than you expected to do then you have but you're like I'm nine months pregnant this must be the worst it gets right <laughs> then you have a baby and then like three or four months later you're like, oh no this is that now my body is a real mess and I can't do anything and I've hurt my wrists and I you know I have like no core anymore and it's it's just like I feel like that lesson was like the most yoga practice yeah. I've ever done in, ever. Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same. It's I, yeah. I suppose I wonder if the reason people beat themselves up, just to kind of think of just formulating this idea in my head, is if, is the labeling. You know, people are calling themselves yogis, and 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 it, mm. and it can be for any hobby or any kind of modality. People label themselves as a yogi, and often you know society is a little bit more tribal now in a sense. You become friends with other yogis who then all live a certain set of values and wear certain clothes and buy their life formats, which I love, you know. <laughs> I love my but, life formats. I'm sat here in my aloe leggings, like it's, you know. I just wonder if there is that pressure of because we just willingly identify, we don't let ourselves perhaps have all these multiple dials. We I, we say, I'm a hustler, I'm a yoga teacher and, you know, what, and an athlete and that is my identity. Uh, or I'm a yoga teacher and a dad and that's just who I am and we're kind of almost maybe with social media encourages that to give ourselves very clear labels 
think people find that you know I've experienced it you know it was when I when when you know Instagram and yoga started coming out in my corporate you know banking world and like people were very confused and even now you know I had a colleague come in today she's like oh so you're gonna go and be an author now like I had like I had to choose Mm. like it's very people love to put each other and look I'm guilty of it too I was listening to um Dax Shepard's podcast the other day and he started talking about like the greats of Russian literature and I was like like who's this like uh, no way he's read like Tolstoy um and I was like because you know I was like Hollywood actor all the negative connotations I didn't think like it was it was like again said so much about so much more about me than him but we have I think there's a big culture of putting people in a box and you do your thing and you'll you be happy with it and you know don't you dare ask to kind of live more yeah mm-hmm. without getting into into it the politics of it like just in general politics you know people are either one side or the other and are and and every idea that they must have must be the idea of the group not the idea of the individual uh, mm. it's, it's a sad time isn't it we need i think to people like to belong to, i think the underlying thing is people like to belong to something rather than actually believing in something it's it's more a case of but i need then, to belong to a but tribe then also we like to assume we know about someone because because we know one characteristic of their personality we like to assume we know everything about them yeah and you're all doing you know that quick like you know you kind of like what do you do where you're from you're like you know do you have a kit you're like quickly trying to kind of work out what your connections are with with people and I I don't think we're gonna we're gonna change that but it's one of the reasons you know it's one of the reasons I kind of do what I do especially like to the you know younger women in my industry like I do I, I as I've discovered I've got more senior so many of the people I speak to at work are also living this kind of like multi-dial life right you know they they actually are really good at seeing their families and they have you know they're running Ironmans and they have all these other hobbies and passions and things too um but like I'm not encouraged to talk about it because there is this culture of you know you must I think in many industries of like your work has to come first um and like I really I feel like really strongly that I want to show that this is what life can look like in in you know my industry and I think a lot of other you know intense industries as well that you can like exist as a multitude um and it doesn't make you less committed to any of those things including being a parent you know I'm not I don't love my kids less because I work Mm -hmm. um like I think that all of those things can be true and the more the more of us that can like show that that's the case um hopefully the less we get stuck in those boxes in the first place there's a really nice quote on your Instagram about how you're not tired because you're doing you're working too much you're tired because you're not doing enough of what lights you up on the outside yeah I thought that was really, yeah. really lovely I've not heard it put like that before oh it's I I'm gonna forget that the the philosopher that um said it but I do quote him in the book but yeah it was just such a you know I, I thought it was such a wonderful expression of it um yeah what are your di- your personal dials looking like at the moment, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> so look, it's been at work and the book have kind of taken everything, um, everything they have from me. And look, my kids, like I'm very firm about, you know, spending enough time with my kids every day. Um, and that means like, you know, we need to eat a meal with them every day. Um, 
and things so yeah like I have a Peloton bike that I adore that I've not been on basically this year <laughs> um I like my I haven't been to a yoga class in a few months I've like managed a few bits of self-practice um but <clears throat> nothing like uh I would where I would normally be um and and you know I've said this at my kind of my book launch like I've, I've been a pretty bad friend and daughter um in the past few months too and all those are all things that uh that I would like to to tweak those dials in the next few months um but those are the bits that that are adjusting I think the most the dials that have stayed very steady uh you know the kind of money dials and the impact dials that I mentioned before um yeah can we talk about how your dials or not yours but anyone's dials relate mm. to other people so I guess two elements to this question one is do you share that your dials with like your partner or your closest friends etc so that's one element the other element is we might identify that actually you know this isn't the season for family <laughs> but how do you then tell yourself family that this isn't your season in my life. <laughs> how do you have that kind of conversation? <laughs> I, look, you know, honestly, like I've had this conversation like with, with my parents, you know, I'm lucky enough to have them living down the road. So they're like really hands-on with my kids, their grandkids. Um, and, and mom was like, are we going to see you anytime soon? I'm like, honestly, no, <laughs> I like, I love you guys dearly. Like, this is what's going on. Um, I'm going to make a special effort for these, like, one or two things. Um, and, like, you know, talk to me. If it's, a, if it's a problem, like, please talk to me. But, like, right at the edge of my capacity on two things, you know, this job that I've been working 20 years to get, this book that's been, you know, three plus years in the making, and there is no third book. Like, this is my contribution. You know, these are like life defining things for me. And I think the people, I know the people that love me are like supporting me doing that because I also see them, you know, they're like scooping up my kids and like delivering meals and things and like doing all the, like, I just feel so loved and supported. So I, I do, I, again, I, I hope that this gives people the language to talk about these things. And then the first part of, the first question you asked Adam was about kind of how it all relates to people and, and in the impact chapter one of the things I shared a journalist called Ezra Klein talks about this um like encourages us not to think about ourselves as individual but as nodes in a, in a network and like a global network and that you know I think you look at social media you look at politics like there can be a big you know if I'm going to have an impact if I'm going to change the world I have to have this big platform and I have to have some grand way of doing it um you know he talks about like catching veganism from his wife um and now he you know, he then became a vegan and now he's like transmitted that onto more of his friendship group too and um you know I'm not a vegan but like I love that idea of like you we all are like nodes for change in like our small part of the network but the whole network is connected and those like impact and how we change the things that we care about doesn't have to be this huge perfect platform you can just start with those people that you you know you're lucky enough to get to like hear and see and touch I love that. Nice. let's do some little quick fires now if we can Love it. Uh, so gadget wise i saw no I, <laughs> normally this is a weird question but i saw you are advert not advertising but sharing the fact you love your little keyboard your little portable i keyboard. love my keyboard a musical oh. keyboard no like oh. a no like keyboard. a typing oh, okay. are there any other gadgets that you found useful to 
be such so, you know such a productive person and a time efficient person uh yeah the folding keyboard is a like google microsoft folding keyboard is life-changing bit of kit because you can actually fully type wherever you are um i'm a big i have like pop sockets on my phones because then i can stand them up and i can type and yeah um other gadgets yeah i think i'm just gonna go for the keyboard it's the best does that, does that one the best work thing with ever. an apple phone what phone do you have yeah i have it i've got an iphone it connects i have a work iphone and a home iphone it connects to all my iphones you can even connect it to your tv and you don't have to type in those annoying passwords but yeah it's a great Amazing. bit of tech adam loves a gadget <laughs> when you're not when you're not in productivity mode and your rest and relax dial is up what does that look like mm, so i started reading novels again once i finished mm. the manuscript and i've loved like i haven't read fiction i don't know since i was a teenager so oh. i've really 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 loved getting back into reading novels again um and i do love a box set watch a fair bit of tv what you, <laughs> um what's what are you watching at the moment Oh, so I I finished like the obviously watching Succession um, right now. Um, I loved Last of Us, oh, uh, even though that. it was like terrifying. If you have any like pandemic hangovers, don't watch it because <laughs> it is like mildly traumatic. Um, uh, what else? I just finished watching The Diplomat on Netflix, mm -hmm. which is total like politics trash, but very good fun. Amazing. yeah i'd love a bit of uh trash tv i think fiction is so important i think one of the happy stages in my life in terms of reading was when i told myself that at home i'm only allowed to read non-fiction uh and kind of workbooks and then out and about to split the day up on the tube and like i could only read fiction that's a good idea and it was yeah. a really it was a that's really great idea really wonderful. And it was just a nice break mm. from the intensity of life to sit on the tube and read whatever i was reading at the time yeah what what book would you guys recommend right now? Oh, fiction-wise. Uh, yeah. Do you know, it's funny because I've literally been thinking about my life today and thinking I want to read more fiction, but the way I'm doing it is I want to do it on a Sunday and the weekdays are going to be my non-fiction, so I'm breaking well, up. I quite book, like fantasy. I I, I'm not a fan. This applies to both TV and books. I don't like books that make me depressed particularly. <laughs> it is important to put empathy, so I want our little child to read some depressing books. He understands people. <laughs> but at this stage of my life, I want lightness. So I read a lot of kind of like fans. And there's a guy yeah, okay. who wrote, with, one of our former guests recommended it, uh, Tiffany. Yeah. Who's like a, a, a literal rocket scientist yep. and climber. Uh, she recommended, it's called The Rivers of London. Uh, and it's this guy, it's writing fiction about mm. London. It's a series. Apparently it's a bit like Neil Gaiman style, mixed with Terry Pratchett. Have you read that it? Kind of a, okay. I haven't, I haven't bought it. I haven't oh, read it yet. Yeah. Neil Gaiman is amazing as well. Mm. Oh. So th my husband's very much of this, like, he doesn't like to read depressing books. I quite like to read depressing books. Um, so <laughs> he's, he's now decided he's just not going to take it to my, my recommendations anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and wh where can people find you? What do you want people to know about you and where to find you? Well, look, I, so I'm, I'm me um, on the internet now. So I'm Rebecca.Anderton.Davies at Instagram. Um, the book is called Shifting the Dials um, and it is on Amazon and in a bunch of Waterstones and I'm sure in other places too. Um, yeah, it, it, Instagram and the book, those are the, the best places to find me. And and if I'm, I'm a hugger. So if you do see me out and about, can we give me a hug as well? Oh, I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a guest. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. It's really nice. Uh, Adam, I'm sure I've been to um, some of your classes in the past as well, um, in pre-kids life. So, yeah, it's really, really Honestly nice to be on. Honestly, unbalanced.